Beyond the Ball, fueling your faith and family through sport. Welcome to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Ball with Justin Gerstung and Eric Klump on the Hoopheads Pod Network. Our roster of shows includes Thrive with Trevor Huffman, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court with Joseph Harris, and our latest release, Bleachers and Boards. If you're an NBA fan, be sure to catch one of our new team-focused shows, Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham, Nuck If You Buck with Devin Zanskis, a 305 Culture Miami Heat podcast, and Grizz and Grind with Elijah Campbell. We'll be adding more NBA markets in the weeks and months ahead, so keep up with our latest updates on Twitter, at HoopHeadsPod. I'd love for you to check out our flagship, the HoopHeads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel. The go-to podcast for basketball coaches at any level. Now let's get back to Justin and Eric. Hey, welcome back to Beyond the Ball with Coach Eric Klump and I am Justin Gerstung. Welcome everybody to our latest episode. Coach Klump, how you doing? Very well, very well. We are, uh, you know, summer's kind of winding down here in New York and enjoying the last warm, sunny days before we get back to work. How about yourself? Yeah, we are doing the exact same. Had a couple of rainy days in there, but this last week before we get back looks like it's going to be a nice one, so... We'll spend a couple days in school getting our classrooms prepped the best we can and then maybe enjoy some last second family getaways, local getaways, and we'll yeah. see what happens. But it's always always a good time to talk to you. I'm excited for our guest tonight. So let's get it rolling. Let's start with some celebrations. What do you got? Yeah, so um, you know, just like you were talking about, I think my celebrations are going out to all those teachers out there. Um, I mean, in New York, we start in the beginning of September, a little bit later than most teachers from around the, throughout the country. But, um, you know, everybody's going into year one, if you think about this. I don't care if you've been in the school, in the classroom for 15 years or for 30 years. Um, this is going to be brand new to everybody. And, you know, just explaining to what I've seen locally from our district, I mean, we have so many teachers that are meeting together brainstorming, coming up with new ideas on how to connect with the students um, through either lessons that are socially distanced or using technology. And I, I know my girlfriend, Jackie, she's been working tirelessly um, throughout the, like, the past month just to make sure like all of her living environment lessons are ready to go. So um, my celebrations to all those teachers because it's going to be year one. They're going to do the best that they possibly can um, for each and every one of the students that they see either every other day, every day, or virtually. Yeah, it's um, definitely a worthy celebration as we are also getting back, and every school has a different plan, so it's unusual that teachers are in such a varied position. Some have to teach virtually every day. Mm -hmm. Some are trying to um, simulcast. I know that's not the appropriate word for it, but basically teach in class and teach online at the same time. Um, everybody's going to be all over the place. And so definitely a worthy celebration. I know I'm going into my 19th year, which is crazy, hmm. but even I have more anxiety than usual just because of the unknown. You know, yeah, you don't know what unknown, it's going to yeah. look like. 
So that's a good one. I uh, I am going to celebrate at the taping time we are recording this episode. I got two celebrations. One is for my daughter um, who just celebrated her 14th birthday All right. two days ago. And yes. so I'm going to celebrate my oldest, Emma. Yes, uh, Emma. Turned 14. And so she's uh, she's excited. We had a little friend party um, gathering while socially distanced and that was today, earlier today, and we had our, our family party the other day. And then I'm going to also celebrate my pops. My dad turned yeah, 62, awesome. 62 yesterday. So Big Mike. they share a birthday. Big Mike, they share a birthday. So uh, I'm celebrating both of them. Both are in good health. Both bring me joy every single day. Um, and I can't do can't do much anything without communicating with both of those people. So uh, it's a good it's a good weekend for the Gerstung household for sure. So, Coach, as we look into this next episode, get us centered a little bit with a Bible verse, would you? Okay, yeah, this one's really simple. It's one I've been thinking about this week uh, as we you know we head back to work, and it's John ten ten. He just says, "My purpose." is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And there's three words that I, I connected with it, and they, those were purpose, meaningful, and fulfillment. Um, you know, we must make work an extension of who God made you or us to be. Um, so I always ask, you know, what's your purpose? What are you trying to accomplish um, for his good? And when we discover that purpose, we can just pour so much passion into it. And um, we never know what doors are going to be open just by working and for his purpose. So I just wanted to share that with our audience today. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Yeah, that's such a great verse. I mean, there's so many ways that you can apply that, I think, to your life, I think. And we don't talk about these verses before we start recording. So, and I like it that way because I get to think mm -hmm. off the cuff of what, how, how I would directly interpret that. And I think for me that finding that purpose and what, how many opportunities can open up you know, we'll use this podcast as an example. At some point, you just got to do things that are in service to others right. and in service to God and just jump out there and do it. And that's kind of this podcast for us. We do it in a variety of other areas of our life. But sometimes you just got to get after it and do it. And actually, the episode that just dropped for us this Thursday with Asim and Kyle they talk about, you know, being that transformational coach and, you know, getting to know your kids. It's giving them the courage, you know, your athletes in particular, the courage to try new things and making sure that they're, you know, safe and comfortable Yeah. Um, the, in the event that they fail, that they know it's going to be all right, that they can pick themselves up and they can keep moving. And I think that's you know, that's working in, in his name as well, is just mm -hmm. making sure that everybody else around you, you're, you're thinking about them and having a little bit of compassion yeah. and a little bit of thought for other people. So being fearless with your Bible purpose, verse. fearless with your meaning, fearless with, with influencing those around you, serve, love, care, you know, kind of like the same reasons why we got together to do this, not really caring, um, you know, who's listening, uh, but just if someone is, then we're making an impact. Yeah, absolutely. I know you like the words and you utilize the words serve, love, care all the time. And mine are hungry, humble, fearless. So when you mesh those two concepts, 
I think that's why we have such a great connection coming together, talking like this. It's just a, a pretty incredible platform to just share ideas and be fearless. You know, it's funny because we just talked about, you know, going back to school and have a little bit of anxiousness and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And one of the um, people that I get a little bit of my um, my my Jesus time with will say is with Athens Church. And I just listened to a podcast this morning about um, anxiety and going back to work and the political climate that we're currently in. And just the idea that, you know, anxiety is a real thing. And I do not doubt that for a second. But it is also a real thing. I think that when you put your trust in the Lord, there's a lot of things that you can let go of, because ultimately, they're they're not really meaningful to the bigger picture. So Mm -hmm. I think that for me, it was a huge connection that I made this morning, which directly correlates to our conversation right now. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I know that our guest tonight to kind of transition here a little bit um, is pretty, pretty focused, laser focused on transforming the lives of his athletes as well. We are going to be joined after the break here in a couple minutes about or by, excuse me, Coach Sean Strickland, um, who has a variety of coaching experience um, from the girls' side to the boys' side, working at the collegiate level, working with youth programs. And so I'm really excited to get his take on, you know, how he uses the game um, beyond the ball to, to influence others and, you know, maybe relieve some of that stress and anxiety as well. All right. Can't wait. All right, so we're going to go in break here. for a second, and then we'll, uh, we'll get them in here. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. All right, guys. Welcome back to Beyond the Ball. Coach Sean Strickland is joining us. Coach, how are you doing? I'm doing real good. Thanks for having me on tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Coach Klump, you're going to get us started. Yeah. Um, again, Coach Strix, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, we talk a lot on this show about like discovering our purpose and discovering our passions. And we, we, we have to talk about our talents as like, you know, teaching is a talent and coaching is a talent. So, um, you know, how did you discover this talent for teaching and coaching? <laughs> That's a great question because uh, my path is probably not the same as pretty much anybody else's path. Um, I actually uh, graduated with a business logistics degree out of Penn State, um, worked for Pepsi, worked for FedEx, um, did some financial services for myself. Um, and then I got to be about 35 and I still wasn't happy. I had worked for myself. I had done some big things in corporate America. And I wasn't happy. Obviously, it just was restless. My soul knew it needed to be somewhere else. Um, and I said, you know what? If I don't do sports, then I'm not going to be happy. So I got to figure out how to get into sports full time, how to make that something that I want to do. Because I, I really had always wanted to coach. 
Um, but back in the day, as old as I am, uh, there wasn't as much money as, as there is now at, at the higher levels. Um, right. Not as much money in teaching and coaching. I mean, high school wise now, if you teach and coach, you know, you can do pretty well for yourself. That wasn't the case 30 years ago, you know, so or 25 years, whenever I graduated, 25 years ago. Um, so uh, but anyway, so by the time I got to be 35, I said, how am I going to do this? I went back for a master's degree while I was coaching high school basketball. Uh, ended up getting a master's degree. I had accepted a high school AD job out east in uh, Pennsylvania. On the drive back, I got a call from a college coach, and they said, "Are you still interested in coaching college basketball?" And I said, "I most certainly am." Um, and actually, interviewed for that job, took that job, had to call the high school back where I accepted a job and told <laughs> them. I'm moving on, even though I took a big pay cut. It's funny because when I came out of Penn State, I actually got offered two jobs and the second job offered me a ton more money. So I took it. This was actually the opposite. I got offered a lot less money, but it was because that's what I wanted to do. You know, so, um, you know, God works in mysterious ways. He's always going to make sure you get to where you're supposed to go to. And so that craving to coach my whole life actually came true at the college level by the time I got to be, uh, you know, in my late 30s there. So you're talking about being um, involved in like corporate America and you said you just felt uneasy about it the whole time. So just in the back of your head, you knew that you wanted to be a coach, you wanted to be a teacher, that's where you, you wanted to land? Yeah, I knew I wanted to be in sports. I knew I wanted to make an impact on on kids. My dad, um, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, because you guys like to ask those hero hardship uh, highlight questions. So uh, we'll get into that hero part. But my dad was a big influence. He was my coach in the youth uh, days. And just just the impact he had on kids really left an impact on me and what I wanted to do with my life, you know. So I came out of school and I'm like any 22-year-old kid wanting to make as much money as I yeah. can. And I was doing that. And I just wasn't happy doing that, you know. So uh, life changed. And thank goodness. And now I'm, I'm coaching for a living. Coach Sean, so I love the the just the diversity that we talk about with different coaches and their path uh, yeah. to where they are. So how so and I listen, I think everybody would be foolish to think that, you know, coaching and getting jobs, there's there's got to be a little bit of networking that goes into that. Right. Um, it's so hard to just fall into a spot when you don't have connections. So how do you even get that phone call coming out of corporate America? Is that <laughs> like, is that like an old college buddy or, you know what I mean? And yeah, I, and I, and I don't mean, say that I don't say it necessarily to like disrespect. No, I'm not being no. disrespectful at mm -hmm. all. It's just, you know, you have coaches all the time that are like, I have former athletes that are trying to break into the business and, you know, they have their graduate assistant jobs at the D1 level and they still can't, you know, find a niche. You really got to be right place, right time, have a connection. And so it just, it's, I'm in awe actually and really impressed that, you know, you were able to, to make that jump. How did that work for you? <laughs> yeah. So, um, a <laughs> lot to be said right there. Uh, first of all, this, as you guys know, and I'll just say it to, so that way if there's young coaches listening, this is not a fair profession. Um, yeah, the totally. best the best person doesn't always get the job. The most competitive person doesn't always get the job. Um, it's just and, and it is what it is, you know. So right. there's sometimes that people get jobs. Like I, I'll give the the example that I give. I've gotten jobs because of my gender. I've lost jobs because of my gender. I've gotten jobs because of who I know, 
and I've lost jobs because of who somebody else knew, you know, so sure. it's definitely not an easy profession. Um, I obviously had, <laughs> I had somebody looking out for me. Um, I, what I will say is I, as I back up when I was a high school head coach, first of all, when I applied for high school jobs, I applied for a high school football and a high school basketball head job, okay. whichever way that I got a head job, that was the path I was going. And I, I do believe if I went down the football route, I'd be a college football coach right now. Yeah. So, yeah. so, but anyway, so basketball was the path. I got a head high school job. Um, and then, so when I went and, and, and in the high school job, I, I know for sure I tried to quit one time and I tried yeah. to get out and God won't let me out. Yeah. <laughs> so right. he kept me in it. I kept going because it, it's, and when we talk about hardships, I'll explain that a little bit, but so we kept going. And then for the college job, the way it turned out is they, had, the, the, the school had already interviewed their finalist and the top person turned it down. The next two weren't too sure. So they actually went through the resume pile again. And normally, you know, somebody right at that point, right, right. Well, this person called me out of the blue because my letter basically said, I just want to coach college basketball more than anything else. Right. They really Man. wanted somebody that was willing to do whatever it took to coach, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, um, again, oh. that divine intervention, right? Like if you believe in that stuff, which I do, there's no way any, they should have turned it down. There's no way that job should have reopened. It did. And that's where I was supposed to be. As a matter of fact, when I, when I talked to the coach and, and, and I, it's coach Hare, she's, Sherry Harris, a uh, Hall of Fame coach of the Division Three level. She's won over 600 games. Her team finished fifth in the nation last year, both on the court and academically. So just a great program to be part of. And she actually asked me, she said, um, or I asked her, I said, how many people are you interviewing, coach, after going through all that? She goes, I'm going one at a time. I hung up the phone. I said, "I'm go uh, this is where I'm going. Like, if, if I'm going to be the only one interviewed or the first one interviewed, I'm getting that job. And sure enough... Uh, things worked out. I got that job and I've been coaching college basketball ever since. You know what? And I think coach, that's, that gave me goosebumps. Actually, I think <laughs> that for, to be honest with you, and then you get that opportunity and then you just, you know, you live in your, yeah. you live in your, your spot, you just do the best you can. And obviously the the rest of it starts to fall in line. That's just amazing. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, uh, <laughs> it's definitely not your typical coaching story. But I think if you talk to a lot of coaches, whether at the high school or college level, you'll find out they all have some kind of crazy story, whether it's, and, and I'll, t I'll tell you this story. So I was at a clinic and I was, and, and when I decided to make the move from high school to college, I wanted to ask every college coach, give me one piece of advice. Give me one nugget that'll help me get to your level. And so I got Bruce Weber and Bruce Weber is now the coach oh, at yeah. Kansas State at the time. Yep. He was the coach at, at Illinois. And I said, coach, what do I got to do to get to your level? And he looked me right in the face and goes, you don't want to do what I do. So I put down my head. Yeah, I put down my head. I started walking away. He must have realized, like, this wasn't your typical person just asking this. Like, sure. I really meant it. And he, and he yelled to me. He goes, come back here. I was like, all right. So I came back and he goes, listen, you don't want to do what I did. And here's why. Me and my wife lived on Gene Cady's couch in his basement on $2,000 a year, and we had food stamps. He goes, you don't want to do what I do. And I thought he was being a jerk. And, and for a while, I just thought he was being a jerk. But then once I got into it, I realized how much he was helping me out. And so I'll give a lot of similar advice to young coaches, and they'll think like I'm being mean or rude. And the reality is I'm trying to make you understand, like you don't just – 
just because you're the best coach in the area doesn't mean you're going to get this job at the next level. Mm-hmm. Just because of the things that you know about basketball isn't all, like it's not always the case. And then you got to be willing at our level. You got to be willing to volunteer. You got to be willing to make no money. I mean, if you saw my tax returns for a while, you'd be like, how'd this guy make it? Yeah. Um, but but yeah. we found a way, you know, found a you way do. to do it. You do find a way. And that's, I think, such great advice. I, you know, I was talking about one of my former athletes that's coaching division three um, and he's down in Alabama and he's, he's in his early twenties and this is what he wants to do and going through the same struggles that, you know, you face, but he, he's in his early twenties with no family. We talk about on here all the time, you know, trying to deal, you know, and balance life and basketball and family and responsibilities. I can't even imagine trying to do that with kids. Cause I tell him all the time, I'm like, dude, you're young right now. You need yeah. to, yes. you need to give it your best effort right now. Cause <laughs> you might not get that opportunity again. Yeah. Cause once the, you start stacking responsibilities, it gets a little bit more challenging. hundred percent. One of the best, um, advice, and it may not sound politically correct maybe, but is, is not to get married till you're 30. If you're in this business, like stay single. Cause you're going to have to move. You're going to have to move maybe right. every year. Like those are the things you got to do if you want to make it at this level. Yeah, Sean, hearing these stories from Coach Weber and yourself, it just, I always come back to the saying, all right, it's better to be slapped by the truth than to be kissed by lies, you know, and, like and you, you don't want to sugarcoat anything for these, these young coaches. They got, it's going to be difficult. You're going to have to network. You're going to have to be going from camp to camp to camp to camp traveling. It's not going to be easy, but in the end, Again, like we never know where the Lord wants us to land, but he's always going to be by our side. It's never going to be easy. And I, I, li- I like that you're sending that message to people truthfully and honestly. Yeah, if you're going to make it, uh, you're going to have to hear some hard, hard truths. And uh, it, but it, again, it goes back to, you know, we t- you actually touched on it earlier. Your love for the game, your calling, what you're supposed to do. And if you have that, if you truly have that, then you, you can make it. You know, you can go, you can overcome all the hardships that are involved with college coaching. Okay, Sean, you just said it, your love for the game. Now, myself, uh, I do uh, coach two, two sports here as a high school teacher and coach. So where, what is your first love? Was it football or was it basketball? Uh, I loved all sports, but basketball was always the one that kind of, um, stood out to me. And and it was the sport that I enjoyed the most. Um, I was, I was decent at it. Um, I actually played up your guys way. I'm from Russian Riata, uh, in Rochester there. So, so played, um, actually played when they merged the two schools. That's how old I am. I'll bet you most of (laughs) your listeners in New York don't even know that, but I, I played when they merged the schools. Um, and we actually played for the Section 5 title in both football and basketball our senior year. So it was a pretty successful group. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, but, ba- but basketball was the way I was going. Um, played basketball for a Penn State branch campus for a couple of years, scored a couple points, um, and then went to Penn State, Maine. But basketball was always the thing. Um, but then when I got into coaching, it was kind of funny. My best friend's dad got me the seventh grade boys job in the town that I live in right now. And I coached there for a year, went to a golf outing, a Brad Davis golf outing. If you guys know Brad Davis from the Dallas Mavericks, he's got his jersey hung and he played here in Manaka. He was unbelievable. I went to Maryland, uh, just one of the best player, best players from this area ever. But anyways, he has, he holds a golf outing every year and we're at the golf outing and the 
football coach is making fun of somebody saying, you don't want to coach football. And, and I looked at him and I said, I do want to coach football. So I, that's how I got into coaching football. He said, show up at my house tomorrow. There's a coaches meeting. So showed up and I, and I did both. And so I've enjoyed sports and you know, as well as I do. I mean, it doesn't matter what sport you coach. I coached golf in college and recruited the most successful women's golf team in a school's history. They went, they were top 25 in the nation four straight years. And so coaching's coaching, right? And, and it's, it's a matter of connecting with kids and connecting with athletes and helping them get the best out of themselves, no matter what you coach, you know? So. Absolutely. And I'm going to come back to that connection in a second, but I got to know, since you brought up Rochester, so <laughs> we're, are we, are, are you a, and you are a football basketball guy. Are you a Bills fan or are you a Cleveland fan? Or are you a Pittsburgh fan? That's a like great in the NFL. Yeah. Where, where do you lie? Because Coach Clump and I are dying. I got my Bills hat on right now. We're ready to go. Bills where do you lie? ready to roll. <laughs> we are always ready. Always. So the, the Buffalo Bills, <laughs> the Buffalo Bills have always been my second favorite team. Uh -huh. My whole family was Buffalo Bills, obviously. And, and, um, okay. So huge Bills fans, watched all the Super Bowls, all that stuff. But when I was growing up, for whatever reason, I, this is how I knew I was born in the wrong spot. But I, I was a Pittsburgh Steeler fan my whole okay. life. So okay. I've always been a Steeler fan. I have season tickets down here now. Uh, go to all, go to as many games as I can. Um, so yeah. So but I do root for the Bills. Trust me. We go to Bills games. My very first game ever was a Buffalo Bills versus Pittsburgh Steeler game back nice. when the Steelers were good and the Bills beat them. And um, I think led, I might have been at that game too. You might have, been. <laughs> and it led <laughs> it led to a pretty good relationship because this guy in front of me was making fun of me. I was like eight years old at the time, yeah. or seven oh or eight, and this guy was making fun of me. And this guy who owned a bar in Pittsburgh picked me up, put me on his lap, and he's like, "Who's your hero?" And I said, "Terry Bradshaw." And I took oh, off nice. my hat, hat, and I had blonde hair. And he's like, nice. And we became lifelong friends. He owned a bar down here. He knew everybody. Oh, nice. He got me Steeler tickets. Like he was just a great connection. But yeah, so I, I root for the Bills, just not when they're playing the black and gold. That's all. <laughs> all right. All right. So, and then Coach Comp, we always go here. So I got to go since you oh, I know are where a you're little going. bit of a Buffalo native. Then why don't you ask it? You ask it. You know okay. what I'm thinking. Okay, Coach. Drums or flats? <laughs> What'd you say? Drums or flats? Yeah. Is that yeah, what you, you asked me for wings? You got to eat, eat wings, right? Oh, yeah. We eat wings. <laughs> so for me, I, I like the drums now. but yes. I, I, I can eat the flats. Yep. And so we go, and I'll tell you this story. When I coached for a team in, in the Pittsburgh area at the men's level, we, whenever we'd travel to Buffalo, and we had three games up there, Madai, DeUville, and Hilbert, we would go to Duff's Wings every Friday night before our Saturday <laughs> games. And we would get Duff Wings. And I would tell these people it's the greatest wings there is. Uh, here I am. I'm giving Duff's a, a, a shout-out. but. That's all right. We've shouted out plenty of plenty <laughs> yeah. of restaurants in Western New York. Duff's like, is it's fine. The, it's the best wings there is. And the guys are like, Coach, what do you know about wings, right? They look at me like, what do you know? And then they would eat it. They're like, Coach, no lie. Yeah. These are the greatest wings. I even told his bus driver. He, now he tells every bus driver in his terminal, you guys got to go to Duff's when you're in Buffalo. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are uh, we're equal opportunists up here. There's a lot of places in Western New York yes, that make really good wings. But yes, all right, so he said drums are flat. So blue cheese or ranch? Oh, blue cheese for sure. For okay. sure. Okay. There we go. Hey, you guys, you guys are ranch guys. <laughs> What's that? Are you ranch guys? You guys oh, God, are disappointed no. there. No, 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 no. We're happy. We're ex we're ecstatic. Coach Clump and I are forty year old uh, residents of Western New York. There's yeah. ranch. That's and it's really not even a question up here. It's, it, 
(laughs) (laughs) It's so funny because the Pittsburgh guys would order ranch and the waitress would look at me and be like, where did you bring these guys? Yeah. Where are you from? (laughs) Exactly. I was like, don't worry. They're from Pittsburgh. They don't know what they're doing with the wings. So yeah, we We don't call We don't call them Buffalo wings because we're in Buffalo and we we don't eat ranch. Right. (laughs) Oh man. So I apologize for digressing there, but that was, that was important information. Um, so connection with kids. I, I, I love following you on social media because you do, you're very upfront with kids and you've, I've seen some videos you've posted about recruiting and, yeah. um, you know, kids getting recruiting and, you know, celebrating the offers they have. But why don't you go into your philosophy about that a little bit, your thoughts on that, just to kind of share that with our listeners. Yeah. So, um, I actually decided uh, a couple weeks back to start doing a rec- real talk, a recruiting Tuesday, yeah. a recruiting real talk Tuesday. And I actually started posting it to my YouTube channel too, but I, I started posting that. Um, just want to get some information out the, the real information. There's, there's a lot of kids getting a lot of information. Some of it's right. Some of it's not right. So if I can help out just one kid, then it, then it's worth it, you know? So like the offers, we talk about offers and you can definitely tell on, on Twitter or social media who really loves their offers. Right. Right. And so, and I'm okay with them posting whatever, like post whatever, be happy. Cause guess what? Back in our day, if there was social media, we all would have been posting the same offers. <laughs> you know, so, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, we would have been enjoying the heck out of it. So you should, but understand there's a line and, and it's, you got to love the game more than you love the offer. And that's the bottom line. And that's what we're looking for at our level is people that truly love the game. Because if you don't love the game, you're not going to make it at our level because everybody coming to us got the same offers you got. Everybody has the same accolades you have. Like we have multiple all-state players playing for us at the Division Three level. I know people think like, ah, you just show up and play at the Division Three level. They have no idea how, how talented people are at the Division Three level, you know? So um, you got to really want to work at this and really love the game. So that, that was the, the offer one that I put out there. That was the main, main point of that. And there's so many conversations to have, right? Cause we're talking beyond the ball and relationships with kids. I think it's so important to have those relationships because when it comes time for that hard conversation, you know, if you don't have that connection with your high school athletes, like coach Klump and I, I coach, they're going to just look at you, you know, you're, you're, you're throwing shade at them. You don't believe them. You don't yep. believe in them. Um, and so I think that connection is huge because you're right. A lot of kids just come in and they think, you know, they, they sign or they announce that they're committing to division three schools and you're, you're really just committing to pay a tuition. You're not really <laughs> right. I mean, right, ultimately right, right. you're not, you're not getting, it's not like you're locked in in like a, like a contract, like a division one scholarship. So correct. I just love the idea. And that's what I love about your messages. They're transparent. You know, I love the fact you can share and, and be happy for yourself. And all of that is all good. I love it. But you also, I hope that comes with what comes with that is that they understand what situation they're really getting themselves into. Yeah, no question. I, I agree with that. And, you know, I, I, you, you brought up a good point. Like they got to know you care. And I, I'll use examples like when Izzo and that kid went at it at Michigan State and it, yeah. it blew up, right? And everyone wanted to blame and say it's the worst thing. Well, you don't know that relationship. If, if that, granted, if that's not the relationship, okay, that's probably not good. But I guarantee you, Coach Izzo and that player have a great relationship. And that player knew that he loved him and was just trying to help him be better. You know, maybe he didn't do it the way that, 
other people would per se, but as long as that that athlete knows you love them, then it, it, whatever their relationship is is good with me. To be quite honest with you, right? So. Right. Yeah, Coach, We uh, one of our first guests on the podcast was Bill Beeline. He's a, a coach at the local community college here and does a, does a very good job. And you're just talking about like a couple misconceptions about landing at a D3. Is that one like, like kids, younger kids don't really know how talented these players are at the D3 level and at the JUCO level? Uh, yes, both, both those levels. I mean, I helped out at the JUCO level too with a group that won a JUCO national championship a long time back. And those guys, the one athlete, uh, if he ever got his act together, it would have been a pro for sure. I mean, he was one of the best players I've ever seen in my life. But yeah, so at the division three level, we do, there, there's a, a mis, misconception that anybody could play at our level. And that's not the case. Like we're still going out and recruiting each team's best players. Like we're not recruiting seventh and eighth and ninth off the bench just because mm-hmm. they want to play college ball like we're recruiting the best players you know so when i'm going out and recruiting most of the people we're recruiting are thousand point scores or all state or all district all section all conference those kind of players so yeah i mean it, it, you can't just show up and play <laughs> at our level you may be able to show up and be on a roster per se <laughs> but, right. but but playing is a little bit different you know so yeah uh, i mean yeah Coach, I mean, that's so true. This For me, my playing days were a long time ago, but um, my senior year, I was the best player on my team. First, and Coach Klump and I played against each other in high school as well. We were both on first team, I think, uh, in our league, and I tried to play at Madai where I did my undergrad, and I got there like the first, you know, shoot around. It wasn't even basketball season yet. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is definitely beyond my capacity. <laughs> you know, let's talk about right. talk yes, about journeys to get yes. into coaching. Good self-assessment. Like, yeah, it's being self-aware, man. Like yeah. I, I walked in and I was like, basketball is my life. It's my passion. It's like the one thing I did in high school. And you get to this gym where you think it's like Division three. like I'll be able to play. And then you're like, oh, no, this is not going to work. <laughs> Well, and that's, why, that's why you're a coach right now. You have good self-assessment. Yeah, yeah. Right decision. Yeah, I, 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 and I think that's right. That led me down in my into my own path. But you know, we've had players. Coach Klump and I have had some really good players, thousand-point scorers, and the best player that we've probably ever had in our school's history played Division three basketball. It's it's not even like I can use him as a model to say, hey, if you want to play Division one, follow this kid's path. Because even our best player ever here is is playing or only played at the Division three level. It's it's kind of crazy. You got to really, like you said, the offers are nice and wanting to play at the next level is a great, great dream. But you got to just love to play too. No question. Yeah, no so, question. Hey, I have a question as long as we're there. I'm going to go off sure. on a tangent here. Sure. So who won more games when you guys played against each other? That's what I want to know. Coach Klump can answer that one. Um, I, th- I believe we did. <laughs> did you guys dominate? I, I know that Justin's senior year, they won the league championship. Um, they beat us for the league championship. Um, my junior year and sophomore years, I believe we, we took a couple more victories from them. But I think him winning it, the senior year league championship might trump that. We might have had more wins, but uh, that was m- higher up on, on the want list for myself. Gotcha, yes, gotcha. I think he nailed it. I think head to head, we both played. Eric, you played as a sophomore. Correct? Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, we both played up as sophomores, and I believe Eric has more head-to-head wins. But I think our senior year, I think we won the na- the league championship. So okay, very cool. Yeah, we're very we're pretty cool. split, man. We're pretty split. We uh we go back a long ways, coach and I do. Good deal from competitors to teammates. I like that. Uh, yeah, iron sharp and still, iron, yeah. <laughs> you know, coach, I wanted so to ahead. ask that you was my question. Yeah, go ahead. I, I wanted to ask you a question about um vulnerability uh, with with the athletes nowadays, and it seems like um. Justin and I have this conversation all the time where you go into these camps and you're working with the younger kids, 9, 10, 11, and they are fearless. Um, and they don't care about failing or trying or playing anybody one-on-one. And then you get up to the age about 13, 14, and 15, and they seem to really care about putting themselves out there. So, like, how, what do you, what do you, how do you approach that as a coach? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a a good question. I mean, we're we're always trying to get kids at every level. You know, one of my favorite sayings is "fail forward fast." Um, every camp that I run, I'm talk. I, I will say that to them, like "fail forward fast." And I think those kids you're talking about end up coming around again. So, for example, they start one way where they're aggressive, they have no fear, and then they get a little bit of fear because maybe they failed a little bit more because when yeah. they're younger. When they're younger and they have all this success and, and, and all of a sudden they get to a, the next level and there's a lot of other people that have, have all had all that success, success too. So it, that middle, that middle phase is when you're starting to learn, can they really handle the failure? You know, and then mm-hmm. th- those kids that can will turn it around. Like I say it all the time. Give me the kid that's handled adversity throughout their career. That's the one that I want because that kid had to work at it. That, that person had to work through a lot of stuff. Rather than my whole career, everything came easy to me. And so we, we talk about failing forward fast. And then all you can do is just continue to coach to them and hope that you, you build confidence. One of the things I hear back from my players in my AU program is how much you built their confidence. And, and, and to be honest with you, you know, and, and I say this all the time. I, does Michael Jordan become Michael Jordan if he doesn't hit that shot to win the national championship? I'm sure he does. But man, that shot catapulted him, right? Like he just took off after that shot. And that's, that's kind of what we're trying to do with all young athletes is what can we do? What can we do from a catalyst standpoint? What can be the one thing? And you just keep doing it, you know? So like for us, the things that I say all the time, like my kids shoot some crazy shots from eighth grade down, maybe even from high school down. And I'll say good, good shot because even if they airball it, because if they don't shoot the airball in the first place, they're never going to get to the point where they continue to shoot that shot until they make that shot in a game, you know? So, but if they're too afraid to take that shot, then, then I got to get them out of that comfort zone, you know, where go ahead, just keep shooting it, just keep shooting it. And then at some point in time, they'll do something and that confidence will be like, Oh, okay, I can do this. And then they start to go again. So I don't know if that answered the question per se. Um, but that's kind of my philosophy. Yeah. No, that's a wonderful answer. Yeah, I think you nailed it right there. So with your, um, just to kind of tail on to Eric's question right there. So in your coaching career, your playing career, have you had any hardships like that that you've had to battle through? Me personally? Yeah, yeah. like yeah, no, it, it, coaching out. career or playing career? No, I, I'll tell yeah, playing career, I can tell you flat out. I, I finally had gotten a starting job, and I was so excited. My whole life, I just wanted to start for Rush Henrietta. 
I finally got a starting job on a varsity team. It was a it was a scrimmage, and I was known as one. Of, I was known as a pretty good shooter back in the day, and I was so nervous. I legitimately airballed a layup, like I a fast break layup. <laughs> I'm going and I hit the square, and it comes off that square. I think it ended up at the free throw line. Like I just fired that sucker off the backboard, and I lost my starting job that day. Like I was so bad, and I was so disappointed because it was something that I had always wanted. And, and the next day I go into practice and I'm like, I just got to work as hard as I can. And I went in the next day and I, the person who took my job, I made sure I covered that person every second. I got my job back and all I focused on was working hard every day. Right. So I would, so instead of worrying about like, I need to score this many points, I need to do this and that. I just focused on working hard. So the next scrimmage, I think I had three points, like three free throws or something. And then the first game I had five points. And then all of a sudden I had 15 points and then I had 21. So I, I kind of, it, it, it really humbled me. It really humbled me and, and made me, um, ma made me go back and say, okay, I just need to work hard and let the hard work take care of itself, you know? So, uh, that, that was my hardship from a playing standpoint for sure. Yeah, it's um, those are the toughest ones. I think that Coach Klump was alluding to is just that idea that you know when kids have moments like that, you got to build them back up out of it. Yet at the same time, hold them accountable. I think that's where the art of really coaching comes in. You got to be able to massage both of those both of those points. So yeah, and I tell uh, my I tell that same story to a lot of kids. To be quite honest, I want them to know like I failed too. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You know, just keep going. Absolutely. So I think I'm going to transition us then. If that was your hardship, um, where was the the highlight in there? How did you get some of that confidence back? Uh, just honestly, just by focusing on I'm working hard, and then all, and it just can't. Like I had, the, I had always had the skill, but then I had to overcome that fear, you know. And so I just focused on working as hard as I could, and then started playing and shots started to go in and then all of a sudden you just relax and you just play you know and yeah you, and and so like from from a playing standpoint you know that that's a big key i got I, we played in some big games Hold on, coach. played in some big games um played at the war memorial it's not called the war memorial anymore i think it's called right. blue cross blue shield or blue something cross, like yep. that so played in some big games there um and then got a chance to play in college and and did pretty good at the branch campus. I was at. I had other opportunities, but I always wanted to go to Penn State. So don't hold that against me. So hopefully, you guys are Penn State fans at least up there. <laughs> All good. Penn State will take it. We uh, we like uh, we're fans of Coach Beeline up here in Western yes, New York. So when yes. he was at Michigan, we're we're pseudo Michigan fans, but definitely fan. not definitely yeah. not Ohio State fans. We could probably both agree on that. <laughs> I'm a fan of Coach Beeline too. My dad's assistant coach in eighth grade actually hired Coach Beeline when he was a Nazareth. When he was oh, at okay. Nazareth. Uh, yeah. What a story. So, I've known Coach Beeline in the family for a long time. And, and then when you coach in the AMCC, Dave Nyland's in the family, Mike yeah. McDonald's. Yeah. Like, so everybody knows Coach Beeline, I think. <laughs> so. Yeah, definitely in Western New York. That's for sure. So, Coach, we ask this every week. Um, give us one of your non-negotiables in practice oh wow wow i wasn't ready for that one i was ready for some of the other things you guys have asked people so non-negotiable <laughs> non-negotiable so for me i'm a little bit different i'm not as i'm more i'm known more as a player's coach um i'll hold you accountable when i need to but my non-negotiable is you just keep going 
and you keep trying. Like you cannot duck your head after making a mistake and then watch the other team go down and score a layup on the other end. So I, I can't handle when people make mistakes and duck their heads. Like I'm okay with you making mistakes. I have video of, of a, one of my players throwing an outlet pass over top of the person they were trying to hit. And it went four rows in the stands and four coaches stood up and gave it like a standing ovation. Basically like, it's okay. You know why? Cause the next time that person made that pass, it was on the money and it was a big layup at a big moment. And that's what we wanted. We didn't want them to fear that moment. You know what I mean? So we, I'm, I'm definitely big on don't duck your head. Keep your head up. Keep working hard and something good will happen. And I, I don't care. We make mistakes. In my opinion, basketball is a game of mistakes. I know for some high school coaches, that's hard to hear, but, but because they're so good at so disciplined in their systems. But for us, like basketball is a game of mistakes. And, and you just, I, I've always found the team that's looser and more confident is probably going to win the game, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Coach. Yeah. Coach and I are big uh, PGC guys, and that was one thing that I, yeah. I picked up working there was, or just as an observing coach was, they call it just drooping, you know, and and the emphasis oh, that like they that. Like put that phrase, drooping. Yeah. on individuals drooping, like they almost would kick them out of the camp if they were continuously, or they would, you know, they would have conversations with these students that did pay quite a you know a lot of money but that's that's how important it was to them to really hammer down body language as it's always screaming so you know yeah you you can't droop yeah i like that i'm gonna steal that phrase by the way i like that drooping i like that absolutely and i think you know i think for high school coaches a, a lot of us you know a lot a lot of coaches put in a lot of work um just like college coaches maybe but you know, we don't have talent that just, you know, we can go out and recruit. Right. And it, it makes some of those possessions just feel, I'm not saying they are, <laughs> Bigger. but yeah. they make more them important. feel like in the moment that they're a little bit more important. But if you're, if you're practicing it, um, ultimately you got to get the guys ready, you know, for the big games at the end of the season. So yeah, I think that's that's huge. And for me, here I'm gonna maybe transition us to the next one. Then you're all you're you're definitely okay with making mistakes. So where where do you like to see them? Because we just I just read a book that talked about celebrating mistakes and having conversations around the dinner table with my own kids about what kind of mistakes they made that day, just to get them to understand that you know mistakes are a good thing. So where in your program offense? defense transition where do you like to see the most mistakes made wow that's a great question (laughs) um i've never even thought about that before but um, i mean i know you guys are an offensive team i I looked up some of the stats when you were at when you were at Pitt and some high octane offense so i know you're an offensive guy but sometimes the best offensive guys are actually defensive guys yeah, I don't even know how to spell defense, so you're okay that no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we tell every recruit that. I don't know how to spell it. I'll just come Well, coming from a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, that's not no, I'm just I'm just teasing. They are lights out on defense. Yes, you guys know yes. how to spell it's with a D and a picture of a fence, if I yeah. if I know my my that's spelling. It. Yeah, or at least it, what it says on, on TV. That's what it says on TV, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if I told people I was a defensive coordinator in football, they'd be like, "Wait a second, that's yeah. not the same guy." <laughs> so you I'm know, guessing. So I'm guessing it's offense then, right? Yeah, no question. I mean, you, I think you can be 
Um, you can make a lot more mistakes on offense and get away with it. Um, I think basketball is the greatest sport in the world, and here's why. You you can mess up in basketball and still score. You could take a right. bad shot; it might still go in. You could, your shot could hit off the the top top of the backboard and still go in, maybe, or off the backboard and still go in. But it, like if you throw late down the middle in football, that's the thing's getting picked off. You know, in hockey, you could shoot the perfect shot and the goalie might make the save on you. So to me, basketball is the greatest sport in the world because basketball is the only sport in the world, in my opinion, that great offense will always beat great defense. And so you you have a little bit more leeway on the offensive end in basketball, I think, to make mistakes. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm definitely much more on defense. I'd like to see us make make the right plays more often. We're in, in, on offense – I kind of teach them to play a little bit more and have freedom a little bit more, you know? Yeah, you said that word freedom that really rings. And we were talking about vulnerability earlier, you know, as a coach, you just, you got to let them do their thing and and be fearless so that they're not always looking over their shoulder, wondering what the coach, all right, is this a good shot? No, coach just let, he he lets us put the ball on the floor. He lets us get the ball up the floor. He lets us take the shots that we want to take as long as they're, you know, in our shot selection. And and it's got to allow them to, to play a lot more free. Yeah, Eric, with our offense, our attack offense, I started about seven years ago. And when I was going to do it, I actually had a coach tell me that. He goes, listen, you're going to have to be okay with the fact they're not going to look coached at times. And people are going to say, what the heck is that coach doing? He doesn't do anything. He doesn't call plays. He doesn't do this and that. And I I am comfortable with that. That's where that vulnerability – I'm okay with people thinking I'm an idiot. As long as my players know, like, I got their back and we're going to go forward and give them the confidence to go play, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, Coach, so one of the things that I've been, you know, we during this time of COVID, um, you know, we've all <laughs> probably as coaches had time to, you know, do some professional development. And one of the things that keeps jumping out at me is when coaching my teams, trying to make things as simple for the athletes as possible. And so this may be maybe too thought provoking for right now, because I'm kind of catching you off guard, but where do you think coaches need to draw the line between giving athletes enough to do to be successful, but also making it simplistic? Because honestly, I'm, I'm looking for answers still. I'm just still trying to process <laughs> that statement. Right. Because for some of my guys that are not basketball guys, they're there to be with their friends. I would love to just tell them to go out and play, but they have no concept of spacing. They have no concept of cutting hard. And so you got to coach them guys up a little bit more. So is any thoughts on like where you find that balance? Yeah, so uh, I'm probably not going to answer this the way you want me to, but um, I also do a thing called hashtag BU coach, and, okay. and coaches need to be themselves. And so, like for example, um, I I keep it pretty simple, and some other people may need to give it a little bit more. And and it's it you got to coach to what your comfort level is. And, and so if you're comfortable giving them more freedom and you want to learn how to give those players more freedom that aren't ready for it yet, then yeah, like we can talk about the actual X's and O's and how to teach that. But I would never tell a coach who wasn't comfortable giving the freedom saying, you really need to do it my way. You got to give that freedom because you know what? That person's going to end up being fired in the end anyways, because they're going to do it the way somebody else told them to do. You know, I think that's one of the biggest 
mistakes a lot of coaches make is they do all these clinics and we've had I mean, my goodness, there's probably been a million Zoom clinics here in the last five months, right? Right, and there's and, more coming, right? Yeah, there's more coming, and everybody's going to take a thousand ideas, and they're going to try to go back and jam a thousand ideas down those kids' throats. And the right. bottom line is, it don't matter what the coach knows. It matters what your players know. And so what can you communicate? So, like, for me, I'm stealing one nugget, but that nugget's got to fit my philosophy as me. Like, I... The reason why I started my attack offense is we were losing a ton of close games. Dave Nyland's one of them. Like, I mean, another Hall of Famer. And, and he was kicking my butt, and he's always going to be a better coach than me. So I had to figure out, how am I going to beat Dave Nyland? Like, I, I'm done losing 68 to 62 to this guy, and I'm done trying to throw everything I can to make up the six points. Yeah. When I can't, like, he'll just, he'll, he already knows it's coming. So he makes the adjustments. So yeah. how can I beat him? So for me, it was, getting back to who I was. Like, I loved Rush Henrietta. We played fast. We pressed. I wanted to get back to that. Now, I will tell you, in high school, we ran the flex. <laughs> and and I, and as many points as I scored in flex in high school and college, right. I would never run flex at my level. Um, but Maybe we, some flex actions here and there, but not actions, just the yeah, flex, that's a good right? Way to yeah. Put it. yeah, that's a good way to put it. But I needed to be me because if we're going to lose, we're going to lose my way. And And – one of the best things that I ever did was I read a book called Good to Great. And if you haven't read it, I would recommend yeah. reading it. It's a little bit dry because it's like for businesses, but you can relate it to a program and any program, football, basketball, any sport, baseball. And it talks about what a good business does to become great. And it, and it, there's a hedgehog concept in there that asks you three questions. And one of those questions is you got to know what drives you, what, what motivates you, you know, so... Uh, for me, it was scoring points. <laughs> and yeah. so, so I figured out, like, I'm like, I'm trying to coach this defense wins championship style of play. And that's not who I am as a person. Like, I want to score points. So if we're going to lose. Let's go score points and lose 192 rather than 70 to 62, you know? So, um, I know that's not specifically answering that question. Like, how do you help out that? But every coach needs to be you coach. They have to be their own coach and steal the nuggets that fit who they are and stay true to their, don't be afraid to learn, but have your core beliefs that you learn and add to is the is the best advice I can give to coaches, especially yeah. young coaches. Yeah, I mean, I I love some uh, some other resources for coaches. Is um, key five coaching is a huge thing. They're they're an extension of PGC basketball, and one of the things that they talk about all the time in in our group sessions is you can't you can't just keep putting things in. You, at some yeah. point, you got to you got to take some things out, you know, and one of the coaches that was on there likened that to like a kitchen cabinet, like with your Tupperware, like you can't just keep throwing a new piece of Tupperware in there. Eventually, you got to take something out if you're going to keep it organized. And I, it was just mind blowing for me because you're right. I mean, you see a drill and you just run the drill to do the drill, but yeah. it, it's not really helping you. Um, and if right. you're trying to do all those drills all at the same time, the guys have no idea <laughs> yeah. what's going on. So I love it. Yeah. Well, I think Coach Thank hit you. on it in, in his answer because um, he said it. I don't know if um, is simplicity. You know, I fell victim to yeah. the, of this as as a coach. You know, like you were just saying, Justin, you see these nice drills, you see a great play work for you know Kansas or Michigan, and you're like, oh, that would look great. Let, <laughs> let's try that. But you don't know, you know, the athletes that you have, and it really all comes back to simplicity. Because when they have simplicity, they have clarity, um, and then they don't really have yeah. to think; they can yeah. just ball out. Yeah, yes. absolutely. 
I, I think that's great. Yeah, both you guys. I think what both you guys said is really good for young think, coaches, especially to hear. Yeah, and you know what? Part of that for me goes to player development. You know, if kids are developing in the off season and they have those, you know, block block skills of dribbling, passing, shooting, you know, you can be a little bit more simplistic with them. Um, it's when you got kids that that can't do some of those things, you got to try to manufacture some some opportunities for them. So. It's a little. It's definitely the art of coaching for sure. Um, yeah, I co- think, I think, go ahead. I'm sorry. I go. Say, I think. I think you're right at the high school level. I. I would like to see more youth coaches not feel that way, and because that's why a lot of youth coaches run plays is because of what you just said. I'd rather yeah. have them take their lumps and teach kids how to play and help the kid out. Sure. But there's just so many people that want to win, and I know they get pressured from the fans. They want to win, sure. and the bottom line is no one remembers. And I coach AAU. I don't remember scores of any AAU games. And people are like, how can you remain so calm during these games? I'm like, because they don't matter. Yeah, like, it's a learning. We're it's here a to learning help experience, yeah. Yeah, we're here to help our kids get better. And, like, I have five seniors. They're all going to go play D, like D3. That's what it's about is helping them get to the next level sure. and developing the other kids to get to be as good as they can. But, like, at the lower levels, I'd really like to see more coaches – take <coughs> excuse me take some of those losses by teaching all their kids to play and rather than just yeah. the one or two best player you know in the program you know develop Absolutely. a whole program not just a couple players yeah especially at a, you know the modified level yes um coach yes. and i i know coach and i both have a lot of insights into what our modified programs are doing that's great and we try to teach our kid our coaches all the time i'm like you're going to have an offense let's make it as close to mine as possible yeah but simplistic and i want them dribbling passing shooting and, and learning how to be in a stance and, and just go get after it <laughs> that's and just really get the game it. that's really the game right you there. know yeah it yeah. is it if is. you can dribble shoot and pass you can play any offense you want you can play any system you want so yeah yeah that's i love it yeah for sure and, so yeah coach, and then that age you just want him to fall in love with the game yes yes yeah for sure. So coach, we're winding up on our time here, but I got one more question. You mentioned earlier that you have five kids at home ranging <laughs> from college on down. Um, what do you, how, how do you work it with um, your kids, your wife, like the family dynamic? What, what are some of the challenges or some of the, the highlights or insights that you could give other coaches that are in similar situations on how to make that work? Uh, Wow. Um, I think that's a great question. Um, and I've struggled with it my whole career. I, I've struggled with that balance, that word balance. And you hear it a lot in coaching, like you got to have balance. And then I listen to, this is where you like, you take a nugget from one of these clinics. Then I listen to coach Mike neighbors, the Arkansas women's basketball oh, yeah. coach. He's and I'm so a, good. Yeah. I'm a huge fan and we do a lot of similar stuff and I'm, I'm a huge fan. And he said, it's not balance. It's rhythm. You got to be in rhythm with people. You know, this yeah. whole time, I would worry as a dad, am I spending enough time with him? Am I doing enough dad stuff? Like my dad, I felt my dad was there all the time. He was my coach through eighth grade. I thought he was there all the time. And what's funny is if I would talk to him, he felt he wasn't there as much as he was. You know what I mean? And so like, I think as parents, we kind of think we're not there as much as we are. But like I coach, I coach my kids in AAU. So I'm around them every weekend, basically from the spring and summer for sure. Yeah. Um, but, but it's, it's a rhythm thing. It's not a balance. You're never going to be in balance being a coach. People don't understand that. Like your spouses, uh, male, female, whatever, like God bless your spouses because 
this is this is a hard profession to be on the other side of. You know right. what I mean? And you guys can attest to that, I'm sure. Yep. And so um, it's it's being in rhythm, and and so like yeah, I might be gone. Like when I when we won the championship and went to the NCAA tournament for the first time in the school's history, I came home. My kids didn't go up with me to Buffalo for it. I came home and there was a huge sign in the yard and they were waiting for me, you know, and that's, so the balance wasn't, they could be there for it, but the rhythm was when I got home, they were ready to, to say, congrats, daddy, and give him a big hug, right. you know, so, and you got to appreciate those moments. Um, but again, like I, I, I would really, I would really pay attention to, you're never going to be in balance. I don't care how many seminars they do on it and they tell coaches, you're, you got to be in balance. You're never going to be in balance, but be in rhythm with the people around you and that'll make you a successful coach. Just great piece of advice, coach. Uh, just great. Thanks for sharing that. I, I was just writing um, in my notes, all, you know, underlining that's just a great piece of advice for anybody. You know, we talked about, you. Um, you know, getting into this profession and like you said, maybe starting a family at 30 and, and then making sure that that rhythm is what everybody needs to be in, mm-hmm. in, in this profession. Cause it's, it's, uh, a, a roller coaster for sure. I know. You, <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, you Go mentioned ahead. that your father was your hero. So right. how about a highlight? Yeah. Well, real quick, the reason why my dad's the hero. My my AAU program is called Strick Hoops. Strick is the nickname of basically every guy in in the family and anybody that played athletics. Like my daughters are called Strick now, and then Hoops was my nickname from my dad. So Strick Hoops is an ode to my dad. So. It's a true family atmosphere in the AAU because when I bring you in, I treat you as family. So I just want to give that shout out to my dad there. Um, and then the highlight, um, the highlight for sure and overall coaching was uh, making the NCAA tournament for the first time in a school's history to take them from somewhere real down low to, and having basically no money and a budget to take them to the NCAA tournament, I think is something that's pretty impressive. Um, and, and, and I don't mean this to, to, to be arrogant in any way, shape, or form, but I've been blessed. I mean, I've gone to the national tournament on both the men's and women's side as a head coach, you know, and I don't know how many people can say they did that. Um, so there's been some good things that have happened because of, of the fact that I've had a lot of good people, whether it's assistant or players around me. I've been truly blessed by them. And that's my highlight. <laughs> that's so good, Coach. We've all had we've all had those people that have uh, that have backed us. Well, hey, we are running up on the time. Uh, any other nuggets you want to share with us? No, I could keep you forever. So <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I and here's the thing about podcasts, right? Just being speaking truth is. We could go forever. Coach yeah. Pump and I would stay here forever, but I don't know if listeners would stay on that long. Yeah. I mean, no, you would, I for I... you, they would 100%. I mean, I've gotten so much, so many things in my notes right now that I can't even right. keep them all straight. So listen, man, we'll, we have, to, we we'll really have to have appreciate... a little clinic up in Buffalo and get them some wings and sit down with them, you know? Yes. I'm in. I'm in. All Come right. On, no, you're not. You're not that far. Do the Bills play the Steelers this year? We're I don't know have... they do, but Earl Shunk and I need to get some wings together. So I'm up for it anytime you guys are up for it. Yeah, well, when you're I mean, in town. If you're ever in town, if you're yeah. in town, hit us on social media. We'll make that I happen. I will. We'll make for that sure. happen. Well, Coach, listen, we are uh, so honored that you could join us. Um, I can't wait for this episode to drop to share it with some of our listeners. We keep kind of growing followers slowly and we say this all the time it's not necessarily about you know clicks and likes and all that stuff for us we just like talking with coaches like yourself so we appreciate you 
Hey, I, I, I truly appreciate the time tonight, guys. You guys are doing a great job of trying to grow the game. And that, to me, that's the most important thing out of all this. And, and so, uh, and you guys are doing things even beyond the court, which for me, I, I'm a huge fan of. Like, sports isn't just sports. All these people saying it's just sports during this whole situation, they don't have any clue what sports is about. And sports can be a lot more than just sports. And I appreciate what you guys are doing. And I'd love to come on anytime you guys would have me. I, I've truly enjoyed it tonight. All right. Amen, Coach. All right, Coach. Well, thank you so much. We will be in touch. Uh, and if you ever need anything from us, feel free to shout us. Shout Thanks, us out. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, All Coach. Right. Have a good one. Wonderful. You too. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. 